Uh, we are in our third lesson of our selfless series this morning, and I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. I'm excited about what I'm sensing and feeling in, in this series and the, the feedback that I've been getting. And, and you know, I, I want to open it up. <clears throat> I may regret this, but, but I want to open this up. If, you, if we're talking about something and you have a question, maybe, maybe we hit a topic that you're saying, hmm, I'd like to know more about that or I'd like to understand this more, then I encourage you, email. Email the office, email me, and we will uh, we'll do our very best to communicate. But I, I, I think it's important that we have a back and forth conversation about things. And, and you know, we're, we can't uh, sit down for an hour with every single person, but I'm pretty good about emails. I, I'm... I'm try to respond quickly. And so I'm, I'm opening that up. If there's something that we hit that you're saying, hmm, what about? Then it might be me that can answer that. Or maybe I can connect you with a great life group that will help uh, open that up for you and, and just bring uh, the scripture alive in your life. Because as we're talking about this thing, selfless, we've, we've talked over and over about the fact that it is a process in our life that we're going through. We're, we're talking about how relationship with Jesus achieves the impossible um, impossible by allowing us to live beyond ourselves and and live a more selfless life and it's not that we're losing ourselves it's that we're gaining more and more of Jesus more and more of him we're becoming more and more like him which if you think about it from the beginning he created us in the God created us in the garden to be uh, partners or be companions or to walk with him in the garden as it were and and in doing so he created us in a manner that, that we were supposed to be completely enthralled with him and not as enthralled with self. But when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and then suddenly their eyes were opened and they knew that not only were they not God, but they also knew that they were, that there was sin. They knew that there was good and evil. They knew all of these different things. They weren't innocent anymore. Now they came to a place where they, where they were struggling to be right, even while oftentimes being wrong. And that's why that's this process now in the New Testament <clears throat> through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine. We, we call this process the process of sanctification, of becoming holy, of becoming like Christ. And we've been using this ladder analogy and we've been saying that if the very bottom of the ladder is complete unholiness, then the top of the ladder is complete holiness. Then, then when we are saved, we go from being unholy completely to being completely holy in a second. And if I could transport myself up there each time I said that, I would. But it's a long climb, so I won't. And so, so we'd be all the way up there. And then last week, we talked about the fact that no matter where we were, on this ladder, whether we're up here at the top rung or down here and a lower rung, wherever we're at on the ladder, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. It, well, it matters. It matters that we're trying hard. But at the same time, the blood of Christ covers us. That's what the, that's what the red uh, ribbon represents, the blood of Christ. So sometimes we have a great day. We don't kill anybody. And so we take a step up. And then the next day, we, we make a real big mistake. We do something stupid. And we end up having to take a step down or two. And it's funny, I've been receiving messages throughout the week, people saying, oh, I took a step up in sanctification today. And then some people said, oh, I, I think I took a step down in sanctification today. Uh, this isn't, <laughs> we're not a great, this isn't a grading system, y'all. 
Uh, it isn't a grading system. It's hard to know sometimes if you're up or down. But the point is to stay on the ladder. To stay on the ladder. Because anywhere on the ladder, you're covered by the blood of Christ. Amen. Thank you for agreeing with me there. So you're, you're on the ladder. You're covered by the blood of Christ. But the question today is, what happens if I jump off the ladder? What happens if I'm, I'm going along and climbing the ladder and then, and then some, someday I, I, I say, you know what, I just I can't even take it anymore. I'm just, I, I'm just deciding that I'm going to walk away from the plan of God in my life. And I jump off the ladder entirely. What happens then? We're justified in our declaration of salvation, we, but we're still dealing with our sinful, our sinful, sinful, carnal selves. So what? Can you walk away from God's plan from your life? And I would say to you, the answer to that is yes. I'm not talking about walking away from salvation. I'm talking about walking away from God's plan for your life. And so uh, let's look at, we're going to look at three passages today. And they're all in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at them in, um, collectively. And then we'll break one down. Luke chapter 15, verse number 4 says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Won't he do that? And when he's found it, will he, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. What an incredible story about a sheep, a dumb sheep. Sheep are, are not brilliant animals. They are, they are quite dim animals. They get easily easily uh, confused and led astray. And, uh, and I've, I've actually known, I know a couple of people who raise sheep and they, they have talked to them regarding sheep and nothing about sheep. Their wool is amazing and they are actually quite nice animals, but they have no defense mechanisms. They can't, they can't run fast. They can't fight hard. They don't bite hard. They, they, they make a lot of noise. Uh, they stink. That's one thing. Um, they they do stink. Apparently, their wool gets wet. But the uh, but they're not amazing animals as far as being able to take care of themselves. They need shepherds to take care of them. And yet, I think it's ironic that God calls us sheep of His pasture. But the shepherd cares so much for his sheep that when one goes away, bah, when one goes away and, and gets lost, the shepherd will go find that sheep and will carry that sheep back home. And the scripture says he'll carry it on his shoulders. Uh, one thing that I, I've heard it said many times is that he'll leave the 99. It's not about the 99. It's about the one. But, but before you get too wrapped up on the idea that God doesn't care about the crowd, he just cares about the one, recognize that he put the 99 in a very safe place. He put them in the pen. He put them where he knew they would be cared for. And then he went after the one. So God wasn't leaving the group and God wasn't uh, forsaking the 99 for the one. God was taking care of all of it. The master was taking care of the whole thing. So that's the story of the sheep, the lost sheep. But verse number eight tells us the second story. 
And that is, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And then when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. This coin means a lot to this woman. And so she will take the house apart in order to find it. She will, she will reorganize everything. She will sweep everything. Do you know that there's some times in life that the only thing that will push you to clean up the stuff that you would normally let lie is, um, is losing something valuable? I've made some mistakes at times and I've, I've, I've done something stupid and I've realized I've, I've allowed parts of my life just to go unswept. I haven't cleaned out that stuff. You know, it's that, it's that old thing where you tell the kids to clean the room and 20 seconds later they're done. And the reality is their bed's four inches higher off the ground because every just, everything just went under the bed. Well, sometimes we live life like that. We just keep trying to push things away without really dealing with them. And so this woman, she cleans out her whole house in order to be able to find this singular coin. And when she finds it, she is incredibly happy and she throws a major party. And and I want you to see that in both of these stories, these these are depictions of God's dedication to reaching the one, that he will reach out to to the world he will go find the one that is lost in order to bring that one home he will he will do whatever it takes to try to to try to reach the unsaved one the one that does not know him as lord and savior and he will he will reach for them with everything he has he will clean out the house he will put the group into the safety of the pen and he will go reaching for that one he will he will walk maybe where he would not normally walk in order to reach that one and if you are that one this morning then God is reaching for you if if you are not saved this morning you do not know him as your lord and savior and you know that it's not an accident that you're here today he is here he has drawn you he, he might have drawn you with the voice of your friend saying hey would you come to church with me this morning He might have drawn you with the voice of your family saying, would you join us in church today while you're in town? He he might have drawn you by just, you drove by, you saw those pretty signs with all of our graduates' names out there and went, hey, I'd like to check that church out. Whatever it is that drew you, God is drawing you to himself and you can make him your Lord and Savior today. Today. And I praise God for that. But the third story is different. The third story in, in begins in verse number 11, and it's about a lost son, about a lost son. The Bible says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. This is an incredible story. Notice the the first phrase there said to illustrate the point further. Now we looked at the previous stories in this chapter to create context for what this story is talking about. This, This lets us know it's a continuation of a thought. 
This isn't God's, uh, Jesus was telling these stories about this thing, and now he's going to tell that story about that thing. This is a continuation of a thought. He says, to illustrate this point further, the old saying is a text without context is a pretext for proof text. It's an old saying. Meaning that if you don't take the context of what's being said, you can almost make it say whatever you want. But in this case, we want to know what the whole passage is talking about. What is the entire thing talking about? Each story is describing something that is lost. Something that needed to be found. But this story of the son changes the game. Because this son is not lost. He's in the house. This this story is not about something that has unwittingly, unknowingly, without choice of its own, stupidly, however you want to describe it, walked away from something and, and, and found itself lost without a choice. This is about a son who made a choice to leave the safety and security and, and certainty of the father's house and to walk out on his own to do his own thing. Once we are saved, we are on the ladder. But we have the, we have the choice to jump off that ladder. To, to walk away from God's plan for our lives, if we want to. It wasn't the father's will that this son walk away from the house. It was the son's choice. He said, I want to take everything that you can give me now, and I'm going to go off and do my own thing. I'm not going to follow your plan, father. I'm going to follow my own plan for my life. Now, the scripture tells us that the son came to his senses... And chose to return to the father's house. And when he did, the father met him with joy and with love and with happiness. And the question today is this, what if you decide to jump off the ladder? What if you're someone who decided to jump off, to to walk away from the father's house, to walk away from God's plan for you? And here's the big idea for us today. If you've chosen to leave the father's house... You can choose to come home. If you've chosen to leave the father's house, you can choose to come home. Nobody kicked you out of the father's house. Years ago, I was pastoring some really cool people who um, thought I was really cool until one day they didn't think I was really cool anymore. And so uh, they met with me and they told me all the reasons why I wasn't really cool. And, um, and I thanked them for the revelation. And, and they just went on down the road to another church. And, and we blessed them in doing so that we, we, we lead very open-handedly. And if somebody, I, I really don't, you know, it, it's, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. That's basically the bottom line. And so, and so, uh, so they, they, they didn't want to be there. So, so they went on uh, to some other place. And we blessed them and so on and so forth. A couple of years go by and I receive, a, I receive an email and the email says, Pastor Micah, can we, can we uh, chat here short in the next little while? And I looked and I was surprised to see who it was from because it was from this particular family. And I said, I said yes, let's, let's chat. And so uh, they said, would you come to our house? I said, sure, well, I'll come to your house. And so went and sat down with them and, and we started talking and, and they started telling me all the reasons why I was cool.
and, uh, and that they didn't realize I was as cool as I really was, and, and they didn't realize the church was as cool as it really was, and, and they decided they would like to come back to the church, but they were afraid that they wouldn't be received because they had told me exactly how uncool I was at the beginning. And I, and, uh, and, and I told them, I, I, we laughed together and we talked together, and then I recognized that I'm not cool in every way. I, I, I give you that completely. But I said, you're always welcome. You're always welcome home. And, and, and they, they returned. They, they came back to, uh, to the church that we were pastoring and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and why? Because, because here's the thing, y'all. This isn't, this isn't about a special club. This isn't about a special. This is about whosoever will, whosoever the Father is calling. And there are some people who may walk away for a time that God will call back to this house. And maybe he'll call somebody to another house. The, 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 I'm not so much worried about the church house that somebody's in as I am God's house that somebody's in. And, if, and so when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about whether someone's in the four walls of this church or not. I'm talking about whether or not somebody is in the house of the father where his, where the son, uh, the son, the, the blood of the son flows freely. And, and God says, let me lift you up from the place that you're in and let me set you up on a high place and let me call you my son. Let me call you my daughter. So when we're talking about the house, we're not talking about this church. We're talking about the house of God. And if you've chosen to leave the father's house, you can choose to come home. Thought number one is this. Clarity results in considering the latter again. Clarity results in considering the latter again. The Bible says in Luke 15, when he finally came to his senses, when things became clear again, He said to himself, at least at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He had a revelation of his state. Some of you may be praying for people in your world to have a revelation of their state. And I would encourage you, if you have people that you love, that you know, who do not know Christ, who have walked away from Christ, I pray that you would, that you would, maybe they're just not living as a Christian right now. They know him as Lord and Savior, but they're not living the life that you know God's called them to live. I would encourage you, pray that they would have a revelation of state, the state that they're in, the condition that they're in. He wasn't attached to his father. He was living with pigs. I can do whatever I want, but why do I want to live like this is what he came to understand. He was making his own choices, but he was also dying of hunger. So many people get led astray by the promises of the world. It's flashy and it's cool and it it looks nice, but, but when you get out in it, you realize you're just living among pigs in the mud and you can't quite get enough to satisfy your heart. Clarity on personal condition establishes a reality. Maybe it's fun to flirt, but clarity reveals that you're in danger of losing your family. Maybe it's simpler to lie, but clarity reveals that the lie can't stand up forever. It's going to catch up with you. It's easier sometimes to stand on the ground than it is to climb the ladder. I've asked some people to to help me with some stuff even today, and, and, and the only question was, do I have to climb the ladder? I don't really care for ladders. Well, well, it's easier to stand on the ground than it is to climb the ladder. 
But the ground is where the pigs live. And you're not a pig. God's called you to be a son or a daughter. He didn't create you to be a pig in the mud. That's why he's built a place for you to get up out of the mud, to elevate your life, to become something bigger than you thought you could be. So he had a revelation of state, then he had a revelation of value. His personal ability to produce, he realized the value that he brought was limited. It was limited. He had all kinds of grand ideas about what he was going to do. He didn't say, I'm going to get my father's inheritance and I'm going to race out there and live a terrible life. He had an idea that he was going to get out there and he was going to bring so much to the world that the world was going to rejoice over him and he was going to be awesome. And it didn't happen that way. He had a revelation of value. It might have been the first time and only time that he understood what the value was that his father brought to his life. You know, my my parents were pretty, they they just weren't that bright when I was a teenager. They struggled and I prayed for them often because they just weren't getting it. And my prayers worked because I got into my 20s, I realized they got smarter. The the older I got, the more brilliant they got. And I I only attribute that to my prayers for them personally. It was, um, (laughs) it was an appreciation of value. That's what really changed. Their intelligence didn't shift. My appreciation of value shifted. Maybe for the first time, the son realized my value, my father brings a value to to the world that even his servants have food and I can't produce enough for myself. They value, maybe you need a revelation of the value of the latter. The father's plan of sanctification isn't, isn't, revealed just in the fact that we can make it to heaven when we die. We collect our inheritance at the end. But the Father's plan has value today in this world. The family that climbs the ladder together is going to be stronger than those who don't. The, the, the man that climbs the ladder is a better man. He's a better husband. He's a better father. He's a better employer. He's a better employee. He's a, he's a better person because he's, he's working on the ladder. He, he's, he, he's stepping up again and again. He's listening to the call of the father to come up a little bit higher. The woman climbing the ladder, she's a better woman. She's a better mother. She's a better wife. She's a better everything. She's a better person. And a better employer and a better employee. She, she's a better person because she's pushing forward. Those climbing the ladder gain direction in life and, and, and gain, gain perspective in life as we climb and we move further and further in Christ. I had a successful businessman that I was talking with one day and he, he came to church and he, he, he told me, he said, I've been out of church for a very, very long time and, and, and so on and I've done extremely well in business. He said, but I've lost my purpose. I realize I don't have purpose anymore. I have money, but I don't have purpose. God's ladder sanctification process gives purpose and direction in life. Clarity sees that nothing else offers the benefit of the father's house. And I'll tell you today, a bad day in the father's house is, a better, is far better than a good day anywhere else. And that leads us to thought number two. Humility allows you to approach the ladder. Humility allows you to approach the ladder. 
Luke 15, 18 says, the son said, I'll go home to my father. Humility allows you to approach the ladder. He said, I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So notice that the one who would not stoop to being a son now was willing to be a servant. Pride keeps us from approaching the ladder at times. Statements like, I've gone too far. I don't think I can be saved now. I, God wouldn't accept me back in the way that I'm uh, the way the condition I'm in. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I really want to come to church. Well, why don't you come to church? Well, I, I'm, when I get my life all straightened out, then I'll come to church. This is a place full of jacked up people. <laughs> if you didn't know it, I'm sorry to bust a bubble. The person sitting next to you, they're a mess. If you wait till you get it all fixed and put together, you'll never show up. You'll never show up. The fact is we're all men and women in need of a savior. God changing and and moving and helping and strengthening and empowering our lives. That's what he does. He's our father. He's protecting us. And when we get out of line, he helps us get back in the line because he loves us. And how incredible is it? You you might think you're operating in humility, saying, well, you know, I've gone too far. I'm just so bad. But it's actually a perverse form of pride. Because how how is it that God would, would forgive a murderer and cheater like David? And we can accept that. And he would forgive a murderer like Saul and a denier like Peter. And we would accept that. He he would forgive the woman caught in adultery, in the act of adultery, right then and right there. And Jesus forgives her and we accept that. But we say, no, no, when it comes to me, I've gone way too far. Even God can't go where I'm at. Even he can't bring me back from where I've gone to. I'm telling you, that is a lie from the enemy in your life that is pride lifting itself up and saying that you have gone further than anyone else on planet Earth that God can save everyone except you. These statements are pride that are giving you reason not to approach the Father, not to approach the latter. Humility is always open to the possibility of approaching the Father, saying, Here I am. I've sinned. I've sinned. I've, I've done some dumb, some bad things. But here I am, and I'm asking you. I'm asking you to cover me, to forgive me, to fill me. And that's humility. And humility always, always results in God reaching down and covering your life and lifting you up again. Humility doesn't mean being powerless. It does not equal powerlessness, but accurate self-assessment. Humility says, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And I'm asking you to cover me, to help me. And God lifts you up. When you approach the Father in humility, you're not not approaching in powerlessness. You have the choice to stay away if you want to. 
One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This will not be a choice. This will be a demand. This will be divinity saying, you will now bow your knee to me. And, and so every knee, every demon will bow and declare. Every, every atheist will bow and declare. Every individual who never said, who always declared their own authority will bow and declare. This isn't a, a, a statement against anyone. This is a biblical reality that will come one day. But we don't live in that moment. We live in a moment where you and I have the ability to choose. And it is powerful to choose to kneel. It's powerful to choose to kneel. I choose to give my life to you. You can choose to approach the ladder. And that leads us to thought number three. Love helps you step onto the ladder. Love helps you step onto the ladder. The Father is not there to condemn you and beat you down. He's there to help you step up. Luke 15, 20 says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. The son didn't make it to the house before the father was coming after him. Before the father was meeting him. Luke 15, 21 says, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. This is exactly what he had rehearsed, thinking, I'm, I'm an, this is what I'm going to say. And I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But his father said to the servants, notice the father didn't even talk to the son. He said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his fin- finger and sandals for his feet. I didn't put this on the board. I wish that I had. But write this down if you're taking notes. The son was ready with a reason. The father was ready with restoration. The son was ready with a reason. See, dad, because this is what happened. And, and let, me, let me explain. Let me explain. And, and I'm not good enough. And, and I'll be whatever you want. And the dad was like, hey, hey, hey. I'm not even talking to you right now. Let me talk to the people who can put a robe on your back and a ring on your finger. Tia and Kyle, Kyle, can you come help me? Kyle, you're going to represent Jesus. You'll be a little warm. Stand right here. And Tia, you're representing the son, a.k.a. the daughter, a.k.a. the child of God, who has chosen to jump off the ladder. And so you're just going to walk that way until I tell you to stop. You're walking away from the Father's house. You're just walking away from the Father's house. But then you come to a moment of clarity and you stop. Don't turn yet. Don't turn yet. Thank you. And you stop. And, and there you are. You, you've stopped and, 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 and you know you, you've recognized some things now. And in this moment, this is the son realizing what the situation is in the pig pen, saying, I am, I am a son of a father who can produce more than I can, and here I am in the, with the pigs, and I'm starving. That's who she is right now. Now she comes to a place of humility where she turns. And when she takes that one turn, 
She's now going to begin, don't walk yet, but she's going to begin her walk to the Father. She's going back to the Father's house. Now it looks like, it looks like there's a ladder. Kyle's standing right there by the ladder. That's, that's the ladder of sanctification. That's the ladder of holiness. See, the blood of Christ is right there and, and so on. And it's all right there. So it looks like Tia has walked all the way over here. And now she's got to walk all the way back over there in order to be able to get start that process of sanctification again in her life. And, and she, she's got a long way to go. Stay right there. She's got a long way to go. She's, she, she, I mean, she, as far as she left, she's got to come back. And, and, and before she can ever hit just that bottom rung and and jesus is patiently waiting we know this and and, and he, he's ready to receive her we know this but but she's got a long way back but that's not what the bible says the bible says that while the son while tia was a long way off tia take just one step toward me the father came running and he came running with a ladder and he said Let's set this up right here. And he said, go take the robe. The robe symbolized the righteousness of Christ. It symbolized the house that, she, that he was a part of. It symbolized the, the authority of the family. And then he said, let me put a ring on your finger. And I don't have a ring for us right now. And if I did, it would swallow it. You'd have to wear it as a bracelet if it was my ring. So, um, so he put the ring onto his finger. And that, that symbolized power and authority, purchasing power of the family. And what was he doing? He was saying, you're stepping up. He was saying, you're stepping up. So, so she didn't have to go all the way back. Can I tell you, stay right there, y'all. You don't have to go all the way back to where you started. You say, well, I've been away from Christ for 10 years. I've been away from Christ for 20 years. I've been away from Christ for uh, however long it's been in your life. Can I tell you, if you will but, but have a moment of clarity... And if you will have a moment of humility to turn around and take one step toward him, there's a father that is running in your direction. You don't have to go back to where you stopped in order to start your climb. He will take take you right where you're at. As soon as you're ready to say yes, he he will meet you right there. Well, I think I need to come all the way back to the house. Well, eventually, thank you, Tia. Thank you, Kyle. Just put that back over there. Eventually, you might make it back over there. But don't, don't, don't make your journey dependent on getting over there any more than I can make my journey dependent on standing on the top of the ladder. Just take your first step. Take your first step into sanctification. Because when you step here, the boy wasn't even in the house. He hadn't even made it to the house. And he was already in the family. Let me put my robe on you. Let me give you a ring for your finger. Your loved one doesn't have to come. They don't have to come to church for... Four years and six months and eight days. They, they, don't have to, they don't have to pray for 12 million hours or, or fast for six weeks. And they, 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 there isn't a penalty involved. The, the, the penalty 
is gaining clarity, humbling yourself and making the turn and taking that first step. It can be taken in a living room. It can be taken in a restaurant. It can be taken on a bus. It can be taken laying on the floor of a crack house. It can be taken laying in the bed of someone that is not your spouse. It can be taken anywhere. You know, you don't have to go to the, you don't have to get all the way to the father's house because the father's running. He's running with a ladder. running with a ladder he's saying I'm here you're my child all I wanted to see you do was turn around just turn around that's you in the house today let's bow our heads for a moment if that's you are you willing to turn around Are you willing to turn around? Father, I'm praying for the people right now that are in this room. That you're waiting to meet. I'm praying that they have a moment of clarity. A moment of humility. That would allow them to turn. I'm praying for those who are not in this room. Sons and daughters of people that are here right now, they've been raised knowing you. And somehow they've jumped off the ladder. Your plan for their life, they've, they've walked away from it. You're not waiting with condemnation. You're waiting with restoration. They may come with an excuse and you're going to come with restoration. For those that are in this house right now, I want to give you an opportunity to take your step. To take your step. You haven't run too far that the Father's not running to meet you. I'm going to ask us to pray together if we would. Everybody in the house so nobody prays alone. Lord Jesus, I love you. I recognize that I'm a son a daughter I'm not a pig and I know that you have more for me than I can produce on my own so I ask you to forgive me of my sins and today I turn to you forgive me and I stand in the place of a child of God I accept you as my Lord and Savior, my King, my Father, and I I give myself to you as your child. From this day forward, I am your child and you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen.
can we celebrate what God has done in this house this morning? Let's stand to our feet. Elders, would you come forward and help us pray? If you have a need in your life as we play and sing this last song, if you have a need in your life and would like to join someone in prayer, then I invite you to come forward. Let's pray together and let the Holy Spirit do something in your world in Jesus' name.